Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Kaiju Curry House, the fortnightly show that gives you a healthy dose of Kaiju goodness every other Monday. I'm joined today by Smokey Joe, Alex, and hey. I'm very pleased to say that we have Steve Wilson, writer, producer, director, the, the man behind Tremors. Uh, you, you'll have seen SS Wilson appear at the start of all the Tremors films and, and here is the man. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I've had, before we start the, the podcast, I do want, want to thank you on behalf of my wife and all, all the fans for, for my childhood, her childhood, because you not only did Tremors, but before that, you, you wrote Short Circuit, which is an amazing film. Uh, you're involved in Batteries Not Included, which one of my, is one of my wife's favourite childhood films. And I believe you were uh, a story consultant on The Land Before Time, which that still makes me true. cry today. It makes everybody cry today. Very, that... We worked very closely with uh, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Uh, wow. And it made fairly significant changes to that script it was it was forging ahead it was already in production and it was in, not to derail us and there's another topic but it is a fun story that i haven't told very much oh good uh, for uh, we we uh you know it was the storyboards were done i mean really all you could do is change dialogue <laughs> at this point it was but but stephen had this unbelievable ability to recognize when he had an issue and he just didn't feel right about certain things in the movie. And uh, so, yeah, I, he, and, he, and he warned us up front. He said, look, I'm not going to take credit from the, from the original writers. You guys aren't going to get credit. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> but we were, we were working at Amblin. We had offices at Amblin. So we were, we were kind of involved in everything. We were in amazing stories, pitches. We were running up and down the hall with Matthew Robbins working on Batteries Not Included. And somewhere along the line, Stephen said, hey, you got to look at this dinosaur picture. Because it, it was... Everybody worked on everything during that period at Amazon. It was a wonderful, wonderful time to be there. And I will take credit for one thing. Uh, Brent and I changed the theme of the movie, and it eventually became the theme song. Uh, not that we did, you know, a huge amount of other work on the movie, but we did have one significant impact, such that Stephen finally squeezed our, and if you look at the, all the crawl, <laughs> Uh, of the credits somewhere down in there Stephen Brent have a little thank you of some sort <laughs> uh, so yes cool. we did work on uh, Land Before Time and in fact uh, Brent is very much ducky yuck 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 that's Brent <laughs> if he listens to this podcast I'm sure he will love hearing that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your colleague was the voice of ducky no 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 no. he, he, he wrote the dialogue uh, okay I see oh, he, he came up with the idea of ducky repeating himself all the time that's good. Oh, right. I'll steer us back to to Kaiju. And <laughs> what um, were we talking about? <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to do that, Paul. It's fine. No, it's... I, I know we like to go down rabbit holes, but, <laughs> um, but Alex, I haven't spoke to you for a while. So tell me, what have Kaiju been up to? Well, thank you for asking, Paul. Um, did I ever actually properly show you my uh, header figure from CCP? Did I show you it? Uh, no, I don't think okay. it properly. Well, well, here it is in all its glory. So a little bit of backlog, um, Steve. I, I decided to invest for reasons, a rather large sum of money for this utterly glorious... Uh, there you go. You want it, don't you, Joe? That's very... Look at that. So that is a galaxy sort of like 
iridescent kind of reimagining of a monster from 1971 from Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, also known as Godzilla versus Hedera. And there it is. It came with the smokestack. It's glorious. And, you know, there needs to be some yin and yang in this. There has to be some balance because in order to kind of purchase this, I decided to sell off one of my X plus figures. So it's been a heavy moment this week when I parted away with one of my X plus figures that's gone over to Canada. So that that was a very tragic moment. Also, Paul, you'll be pleased to know, I plugged in my PS4. I've done that. Uh, Now, the reason for that is not for games. It's so that I can now access my rather extensive Blu-ray library. So I'm now re-watching many things. However, um, I tried re-watching Godzilla King of the Monsters. It didn't go so well. And You I, didn't I, like that film to begin with, to be fair. I know I didn't like that film to begin with, but I, I sat down. And the reason why it happened, gentlemen, is because um, one of my daughters, she said to me, you know, Daddy Bear, I would love it if you could play me one of your Godzilla movies. And that's, that, that's an invitation. So you chose the is. only one with the F-bomb in it. So it's, I chose the only one with the F-bomb in it, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Joe. Yeah. Um, parenting! Parenting! Win. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and what happened was, you know when people say to you, what's your favorite uh, What's your favorite band? Or, you know, what, what's your favorite film? And you kind of stumble and you go, uh, uh, S Club 7. And then people go, what? Well, that's kind of what happened. So my, my daughter said to me, play me a Godzilla movie. Which one is it? And I went, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. And then I put it on. I'm like, why have I picked this? I don't like this film. And I'm not sure she will. And we got about 30 minutes in. And actually, the kids were enjoying it more than we were. But then, unfortunately, after about an hour, just the vibe was wrong. So at another time, not when we have our good friend uh, Steve here, I need kind of, Joe, Paul, your support in picking out kind of like a list of uh, films. Maybe this could be an episode idea of, what films from the kaiju genre should I play to introduce people who are kind of on the fence? That's kind of my thing. But yes, we have been discussing the indoctrination episode for a the, while now. The indoctrination episode needs to happen because my, my, my children are ready. They're this close. But Godzilla King of the Monsters was not the film. Um, Joe, what have kaiju been up to? Right. So um, quite serendipitously uh, to Steve's uh, invitation and willingness to come on the podcast, uh, our 10-year-old has discovered Tremors and he is devouring Tremors and he loves it. And it's quite funny because when he runs across a field now, he kind of like looks around. It's great. Um, Other things that I've been doing, uh, I got a 3D printer and I've been playing around with various things, and uh, it's it's proving to be quite fun. I'm learning a bit of ZBrush as I go, so hopefully I can start making my own monsters and stuff, which will be fun. But I've been doing a bit of that, and I've also been uh, slowly but surely collecting all of the bits of merchandise that are currently at our web shop. So I've been wearing my hat and my t-shirts around town, and it's been cool to have my Kaiju Curry House merch represented, you know, in public. It's nice. So that's kind of what I've been up to. But uh, yeah. So, Steve, what have Kaiju been up to? Well, uh, all of us uh, at Stampede continue to try to forge ahead in one form or another. Uh, Ron Underwood continues to direct TV shows almost nonstop. 
and uh, and and Brent and I continue to try to sell screenplays, although we haven't been successful lately. We have one out there that is in the running still. Uh, I have written a number of short stories and books. I have a new book coming out this year, and uh, and I do a lot of podcasts, as it turns out. So do we. <laughs> um, maybe, Steve, towards the end of the episode, you could recommend some podcasts to us that our listeners could check out as well. Anything, anything <laughs> I could remember enjoyed. what I had done. Ah. <laughs> you did say uh, before we started recording that you're, you're trying to pitch a, a monster movie at the moment, aren't you? Can, you? can you tell us more about that, or is that a bit top secret? Well, it's, it is and it isn't. It, um, the hook... The idea came from Alec Gillis of Amalgamated Dynamics, who did the Monsters for Terminus. And, and Alec said, you know, we haven't actually done a feature together in all these years. Why don't you guys write something, you know, and let's try to make it. And so Brett and I just, we took that, I, that, that impetus and said, you know, let's just write a monster movie. Come up with a monster movie. And we had an old idea that was, you know, sitting on the shelf, as we tend to do. And we said, this one's fairly low budget. Maybe we could even do this Kickstarter. Well, as our partner, Nancy Roberts, who is also still part of Stampede, said, you guys have never written a low-budget movie, and I don't think you ever will. And indeed, when we went back with the script to Alec, uh, and he said, you know, uh, yeah, we can't do this Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, but the good news is it did find its way to a, a pretty high-level uh, producer in Hollywood, and he likes it, and he is trying to figure out what the best place for it might be we're waiting for him to pull the trigger and hopefully sell it but it's a monster movie in the in not in the trimmers main exactly it's another twist on a different genre this is what brent and i tend to want to do we tend to try to take some existing uh trope and you know bend it a little bit and uh, that's so you know fingers crossed yes maybe we'll that'll my fingers it. crossed <laughs> absolutely that'd be cool to see yeah, we'd love to do it because it would be the whole team. It would be, you know, it'd be Nancy producing, Alec and uh, ADI doing the monsters, Ron directing, Brent and Steve writing. So that's, that's the hook. The gang back together. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Right. Paul, Who wants to ask me? What have well, you been up to? <laughs> what you been doing? Go on, um, Paul. Tell us. What games have you been playing that don't include kaiju? I'm, I've got a can of Godzilla Cola. Where did you find that? Have you seen me? So it's it's um, Funko, the, okay. like the Funko Pops. So yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you get a can, and inside it is a a little kind of squished Godzilla. Oh. And they're only about ten pounds. So it, for kids, it, it's it's like a blind bag. You don't know if you're going to get a normal one or a special glow in the dark one. Um, I saw it. and I thought for that price, I'll give it a try. I'm going cool. to give it to my, my sons, to be honest. I'm going to yeah. introduce my kids to, to 10 pound blind bags. I have enough trouble well, with the one and two pound ones. You can get them for one pound? I love how. Oh, yeah, yeah. The My Little Pony miniatures. The, speaks the man who collects Magic the Gathering. I'm not going to introduce my children to blind bag purchasing, you know. Oh, I haven't, I haven't introduced well, them not. to cardboard crack yet. Kids, don't look up what crack is. Kids don't look up what Magic the Gathering is. <laughs> yeah, don't look at Magic the Gathering. Don't look no, at Magic the don't, Gathering. Don't. don't do it. Um, and I've been reading the Godzilla vs. Power Rangers. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's very cool. It's um 
I know we, we had um, the artist on the podcast and he said that other Toho characters would be in it. And I just didn't realise, I guess, the extent that they would be in it. So I won't give any spoilers, but it's it's really issue one is really good. So are there ti- any Titanosaurus spoilers? Nothing Titanosaurus yet. I mean, he did Dang say, it. to be fair, <laughs> that he like, wouldn't it. be in there. Sorry, Joe. But yes, yeah, so no, I haven't been playing anything. I've just um, been reading and playing with a, a plastic toy. No, no gaming. Um, so, Kaiju Conversations. Joe, have you had any any conversations to get started? I, I, I have, actually. So I have been corresponding with Alan Maxson. Who, oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, folks may know him as one of the heads of King Ghidorah or Rodan. The right amongst- head. Yeah, amongst many of the other wonderful roles that he has chosen. Um, He is currently working on Alien Planet, which will be awesome. Uh, He actually had a question for you, Steve. He said, um, have your opinions of any of the Tremors films changed from when you made them to now? And why do you think that is? Well, that's an interesting question. And my opinion of the films changed. Like any specific movie, that was kind of like... I, his, I his guess uh, the, the only movie that, in, that I look back on and think uh, we, we went a little too far with comedy was Tremors 3, Back to Perfection. At the time, we thought we were doing exactly the same tone as we had done in Tremors 1 and 2. When I look at the movie now, it seems a little broader. Then Brent and I are very finicky about this stuff. I don't, I don't know if it plays that way to the average person. But that's all I'm, other than that. I, you know, of the four movies we did, you know, I, I like them all. <laughs> you did kill Miguel in that movie. Well, yes, that was a deliberate yes. choice. We thought we needed that. A, wasn't cool. We needed it wasn't we, cool we, well, we felt like we needed a strong emotional thing to happen and, and tony was, was it tony cool was all of... <laughs> i find out that I, I mean like you've already got me thinking is this guy responsible for littlefoot's mom you know now and then there was miguel like what is it what's going on here but no i remember that i'm like not miguel yeah we, we we had a lot of discussion about it and we thought all right we're gonna do it there we go. It is kind of funny that that film also had the ass blasters in it. Um, I mentioned earlier that uh, our 10-year-old has discovered Tremors, and he went to school and talked about ass blasters. And my partner and I were, because he told us that he was doing this, and uh, we were expecting a call that entire evening. <laughs> Charlie's been in school talking about ass blasters. Kids, don't look this up on the internet. Anyways, um, and we were just like, I wonder, I wonder if the parents are going to have the context that this was a monster related thing or (laughs) something completely different. (laughs) Luckily though, you know, it was all monsters and stuff like that. But, you know, it it was a very funny parenting moment. It was like, oh, we didn't scream that, I don't think. (laughs) Yay, Trevor's thing. I will uh, volunteer also, you know, we did not, anticipate the tremors in particular would become a family move you know when fred and kevin came on board they said you know we're going to talk like cowboys all the way through this thing 
And there was a lot more swearing in the movie. It's obvious in some places where we had to overdub it. And uh, we get made fun of for that. Um, but, you know, we knew by the time we did Tremors 3 that they were more family oriented. And, and we argued again about that, about that word. I got to tell one other funny story. I did get an email very distraught uh, some years after that movie came out from a very religious person who had software or some kind of device that he could plug into his between his dvd player and his television that would automatically bleep on objectionable words but it didn't know the word ass blaster and would not delete it <laughs> <laughs> so he, he asked if there was anything i could do about that I'm afraid you I, can't I cheat the system man a name's a name <laughs> Oh, that's great. I will reserve the remainder of my questions because I have a special guest questioner coming later. But you fellas, Paul, I know that you've got some Paul floating around in there. Well, we had, because um, I posed it to the group. Mm. And so we've, we've had a few, a few questions come in. So um, Brandon uh, wants to know what the inspiration was for the Graboid. Um, the the Graboid, the original Tremors Underground Monster, uh, came out of a hike I was on. I'll back up. I'll tell the whole story. I've told it before, but here's the whole story. I was One of my very first jobs was working as an editor on an enormous Navy base, which was in the middle of a desert, in the Mojave Desert. It's called the Naval Weapons Center, and they made films out there, and I got a job as an editor editing the films. On the weekends, you were free to wander around the places that they were normally shooting at during the week and uh i was climbing around on boulders the the this base is very near lone pine where we shot the movie and it has boulders out in the sand just like the ones in the alabama hills around lone pine and i was climbing on these rocks and it struck me gee wouldn't it be weird if there was something in the sand and i was trapped on this rock and i wrote that down and i wish i could find that note too i <laughs> I, I never have been able to find it i used to keep everything so many, many years later, we've sold Short Circuit. We we're producing movies. I mean, we're writing movies, you know, uh, and everything. And we we were a little frustrated that we didn't have the control we had originally had over the short movies that we did prior to our screen, our, our Hollywood career. And our agent said, we well, are not talking about writing. The writers have no control. They don't get to say anything. And you want to produce. So find something that you want to write on spec and we'll try to sell it and attach you guys as producers. So that's that's why Tremors got written. So we went back and we dug out our files and one of them was thing under the sand and you can't get off the rock. And our agent, Nancy Roberts, said, oh, I like that. Sand shark, land shark. And then and almost immediately Saturday Night Live started doing land shark. So that title was dead. And... Um, but that is the long rambling answer. I was, the, the movie grew out of that moment of hiking out in the Mojave Desert. One more question before we break up for our first um, section. I have a question from the group, from Tom Tyler, who's one of our um, devoted fans. He says uh, to you, Steve, um, how did the idea of Tremors come to yourself? What sparked your imagination to come up with the story? And also, how did you feel about casting the movie? Did you get a say in who was cast for the roles? Lots of questions there. Yeah, I think we've covered. Well, we did. Well, hopefully I've answered the first part of yeah. the question, where, yeah, yeah, where the idea yeah. came from. Uh, yes, the whole point of doing Tremors was to have much more creative control and to bring our friend Ron Underwood 
who was originally slated to, we had hoped would direct short circuit because we did not realize it would sell. Short circuit sold at a very high level, much to our surprise. We were suddenly on the front page of Variety and Ron at the time said to us, you know, there's no way they're gonna let me direct this movie. And we said, but Ron, this is, <laughs> we wrote it to do it together. And because uh, we had been doing short films with Ron Underwood for years, it's, that's another story. Uh, and, and but Ron was much smarter about business than we were, and indeed, of course, no one would consider him. And almost immediately, John Badham, a very big name director, was brought on. So we'd always felt bad that there we were. We suddenly sold, sold, sold short circuit, and Ron wasn't going to do it. And we also had no creative control over it. You know, John Batham, who was not mean to us in any way, just went off and made the movie. We literally did not know he had left town. And uh, so when we were doing Tremors, the whole point was to work directly with Ron. In fact, we drove him crazy. Much, we were much too close to him on the set and bugging him all the time. And to the point where it, it annoyed Michael uh, uh, Gross at one point, because <laughs> he would say a line and then we would, run over and whisper to Ron. And finally, Michael walked off the set and came, can we all be part of this conversation, please? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were very involved. So we got very involved in casting. We were in all of the casting sessions for all of the major characters. And we all voted with Ron uh, on, on who was ultimately selected. And we were just extraordinarily fortunate you know, to get the cast that we did. Mm. Uh, you know, getting Kevin was, that was the make or break. The studio, yeah. we had to have some level of a star. They weren't going to make the movie, yeah. you know, and they sent Ron off to lunch with Kevin. <laughs> we all held our breath because if Kevin said no, we were dead. Uh, but once Kevin said yes, uh, you know, then Fred Ward came aboard. And then, of course, then the studio began pushing us, you know, we want to shore up the movie with with talent that that helps the marketing. You know, what about Michael Gross? You know, this, this is the way studios think, you know, what about the father from Family Ties? Really? <laughs> but they go, but he's a big TV star. What's your problem? And Michael thought we were bringing him in because he had just played a villainous character in another movie. And, uh, and we had not seen that movie. All we knew was Family Ties. But anyway, he came in and just absolutely nailed the character. Bert Ron, to this day, talks about Michael's audition for Bert or reading or tryout for Bert. Uh, and then, you know, the same thing happened with Reba. Hey, what about this big music star? She's never acted, but so what? And, uh, and we said, well, we'll read her. You know, she has to be good. Well, Reba came in, completely blew us away. You know, and then we found Jim She's Carter. very natural. I'm sorry to interrupt, but she was uh, very natural in all of her lines. It was extraordinary good fortune. Extraordinary good fortune uh, uh, that she was such a natural. You know, I vividly remember her first line that we, in, in the course of shooting the movie, her first line was, stinks too. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> yeah, I think that you, I think that's where they have the tentacle under the truck, isn't it? That is correct. Yeah. And we were, uh, and she was very excited that day. Um, Good memory. So yeah, to, to ramblingly answer the question, yeah, we were very involved in casting. We were very involved in the entire production. That's the whole point. And in fact, later, Ron roped me into doing second unit, which I had not considered. Uh, uh, but then I, I totally got into it and loved it. So, 
Wonderful. Well, thank you for um, answering so many of those questions. We're going to take our first break now. When we return, I'm going to try not to ask a million questions about short circuits. I'm very excited about that. And uh, I know that Paul will have many of his questions as a huge fan. Thank you. And welcome back to the second part of episode 94 of Kaiju Curry House. We are joined by the fantastic Mr. Steve Wilson, who is a screenwriter for many of your favourite 80s classics, such as Short Circuit and uh, Batteries Not Included, along with, of course, Paul's absolute favourite series, Tremors. Paul, I'm sure you have many more questions for our guest. Fire away. Sure, I have so many questions. I don't want to geek out and just take all the time, but I, I will, I've certainly Paul, asked a few. Paul, Paul, this, this is your moment. moment. This is your moment. <laughs> How about it? Oh, Steve. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so so you, you did Tremors 1990, and then six years later, because oh, Tremors got quite a cult following, didn't it? And then I guess you were approached to write a sequel, or did you have a sequel in mind? When you like when you made Tremors originally, uh, we did not. And of course, Tremors. Uh, it's funny you 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 do see websites saying that Tremors was a flop. It was not a flop. It it made its money back, but it was not the hit that the studio thought it would be. And uh, as a re, you know, as a result, we we moved on. We started doing other things, and we didn't really think much about it. The video revolution was just getting going, and the momentum started to build, people began to find the movie on video, and it was the home video division of Universal who called us up and said, you know, we need another Tremors. And we said, we said really? And they said, yeah. Uh, this, this compliment would come to haunt me later, but one of the marketing people said, we could sell an empty box called Tremors. I, I didn't know that they would eventually try that, but, um, uh, 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 we didn't have an idea and, and we hadn't really, you know, it was a one-off as far as we were concerned. And once again, I, oddly enough, by then I was living in Flagstaff, Arizona and commuting back and forth to Hollywood in sort of a strange period of my life. And I would drive vast distances across the desert. And when one of those drives, I kept thinking, we had one cardinal rule, no matter what we did with Tremors 2, there would be no queen gravel. <laughs> okay. This was the first thing we said, no matter what, there will be no queen graboid. And, uh, and, I, and it's sudden, so I kept thinking, well, if, of course, if you don't do that, what do you do? What do you do? How do you up the ante? How do you change it? And I thought, what if they fragmented into tiny graboids? That was my first idea. And I called, you know, Brent and Nancy and Ron, and I said, tiny monsters. And they said, eh, really? And I said, no, but if there's a lot of them and they're really nasty, it could be scary. Think of, think of Charlton Heston in the naked jungle. And that sort of thing. And, and it's, so then we began working on that. And Brent and I sat down, we worked out the story and, and we tried to make, you know, as we always do, we tried to make everything fit and be consistent with the first movie. Uh, and then we begged Kevin to be in it, but he, he didn't want to do it. And, uh, 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 but I guess that's the answer to the question. <laughs> <laughs> if indeed I was responding to a question. Yeah, yeah, yes, you did. Yeah, because I suppose, I mean, I didn't, I obviously just enjoyed the films, didn't think too much about it. But but thinking back, if you were to, if you were to do something different, but in the same vein, it would be on the ground or in the air, but still blind and by sound, so like echolocation, like like a like a like a bat or something. But you went for heat sensor. Was that how did that come about? 
Were you just <laughs> again out of the desire to, to change things up? Okay. And we we're always looking to put the situations, you know, especially poor Bert, you know, where the put the character sort of behind the eight ball. You know, we we knew that what worked in Tremors, part of what worked in Tremors was the the people are, are cut off and they're scrambling to solve this problem on their own. You know, they've just got themselves to figure out what the heck is going on here. And we thought, oh, it'll be funny if they assume the monsters are big and they're not. It'll be funny if they assume that they're attracted by sound and they're not. That was literally where that came from. Is it well, what do we just change what they what they react to? The the shriekers, what they react to, the goblins. So um I love it. It's become canon now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna use it. It's... You'll have to tell him that. Oh yeah. May I so I have a question. question. Oh, ah. oh. Don't. no, no, Joe, please, please, Joe. That was a Canadian standoff <laughs> there. Um, so I have a question because I have, I love large, dangerous, scaly things, and the graboids are from a period of Earth's history, according to canon, that predates the dinosaurs. So in theory at some point, dinosaurs and graboids would have met each other. And I was just thinking, you know, like, is there ever a world, was there ever an idea tossed around that we could have shown or seen those two interacting? See, that's, a, no, and that's a great idea. You know, I, oh, yeah. I, I particularly, I mean, like, particularly in the ser the questions I answer about the series, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated at how the fans are able to just take our material and shoot off in all these different directions. Yes, the Graboid Dinosaur movie. Absolutely. Wish I thought of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, like, it's set during that time period, but it's the aliens are the people figuring it out, you know? I mean, like, because of course there were aliens that came to the planet. There, yeah, yeah, you'd want to know who, who was there enjoying or facing that problem. But yeah, it's and that you could even write yes, because they would have they would have been coexistent absolutely, and the graboids survived the asteroid because they were underground anyway. So they, oh no no no, you see this is this is this is the plot twist here. The aliens <laughs> don't like the graboids or the dinosaurs, so they're leaving Earth. It's just like we should nuke it from orbit just to be safe <laughs> you should read one of my short stories i was i would happily read them yeah huh? there's a short story on amazon called reprieve it goes it takes off from that idea that you just uh, proposed oh awesome i will totally give that a read then we've got cowboys and monsters we've got the reprieve you've got all sorts of goodies for me now sorry alex you had a question no it's okay um yeah, Steve, what films growing up were most influential for your screenwriting? What did you watch or read that kind of made you go, wow, my ideas are flowing? I, I, they're classic, or they're classic to me. Of course, I'm much older than everybody. Uh, uh, the very first movie I saw, to my knowledge, was Ray Harryhausen's The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. I was five years old when that movie came out, and I, one, two of my favorite things in the world were roller coasters and dinosaurs. <laughs> to have a dinosaur eat a roller coaster, it just did not get any better. And uh, it put me on a path to, uh, um, to figure out what animation was. You know, thankfully I had, a, I had an uncle who was a movie projectionist in a little theater in Oklahoma. And he also was making home movies and, and sophisticated enough that he was doing animated titles for his home movies. This is way back when. 
and he under he taught me what animation was and how it worked and then i real and then somewhere along the line i read that ray harryhausen that's what he was doing it was animation that's why his monsters were so much cooler than lizards with you know scales <laughs> with the horns glued on them and uh, uh, but, I, but I stayed with it. I always liked fantasy. I, to this day, you know, if I turn on HBO and somebody says, I've never seen that before, I'll stop, you know. And if they say, you're, I'm your mother, then I change the channel. But uh, uh, so then I went, you know, I went to them, to a very influential, uh, um, the George Powell pictures that War of the Worlds, you know, completely blew me away. Forbidden Planet really blew me away. And even at the, as even as a kid, I didn't, I didn't get until later how pure science fiction Forbidden Planet is. I mean, uh, so all of this stuff impacted me, um, along with westerns and Davy Crockett and things like that. Uh, and thankfully, my father, you know, was very supportive of me being in film to the extent of changing when I went to college coming to my college and throwing out my pre-psych classes and saying, this is crazy. You've been making movies since you were 10, you know, you need to be in the movie department of this college. <laughs> this is how clueless I was. Oh, thank you for sharing all your inspiration there. Um, just expanding on that question, since kind of uh, Tremors, what films with monsters have you enjoyed the most where you've kind of watched and thought, this is great? that this this is still exciting oh gosh well you know alien and aliens jim cameron's reinterpretation of it uh, i i love those um jaws i loved of course i was actually in a classroom or in an auditorium in um uh um usc where i did graduate film school when steven spielberg brought um his first movie uh um goldie hawn can't think of the name of it. <laughs> and uh, uh, and then of course the audience is jumping up and down and we all loved it, the, the Goldie Hawn picture. And uh, said, what are you doing next? <laughs> and he said, well, you know, I'm doing a movie about a giant shark, it's called Jaws. <laughs> and we were all kind of very hip and snooty students. We were all arty, art-minded. We did not think of ourselves as mainstream Hollywood. And the whole place kind of went, what? <laughs> <laughs> Little did we know. And by the way, Jaws is a wonderful movie. I, I, I rewatch it frequently because it's just amazingly well done. Uh, so, so Jaws, and then much more frequently, one of the things that just absolutely impressed me the most not is not a monster movie, but is Jordan Peele's uh, Get Out. Oh, uh, get out. Yeah, get in out. Terms of a movie, in terms of movie that is just so well crafted. Yes. every aspect of it is so you know and genuine surprises in a time when it's much harder to surprise your audience yeah so yeah that's that's the later the later canon well, thank you so much for that steve yeah no, it's great <laughs> so i have a question because we're going to have to do the indoctrination episode we need we need some you know recommendations here i'm curious about that going, too yeah. yeah if people are going to get into monster films what what would be your top three to throw at them to oh. you know like Get them, get them into the creature feature, as it were. I would recommend them. I guess people would, you know, look askance at the giant mechanical ants, but they're giant mechanical ants, man. <laughs> uh, them is a <laughs> it's wonderful like, it's a bird, bird, it's a plane, it's an ant. It wasn't it like, it's like, you wouldn't believe this, but it was a flying ant. I remember like <laughs> listening to that when I was watching that. It was just like, why is that it's so a, strange? Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a really 
solid detective movie and everybody's playing it dead straight, you know, a uh, thing from another world, partly because it's just nonstop. I'm talking about the first one, uh, the black and white one, uh, this nonstop yeah. rapid fire dialogue. <laughs> uh, uh, that script is actually way longer than a script should be because people talk so fast. Uh, um, anyway, yeah, well, those, you know, those are, you know, much older pictures. If you're talking about more recent stuff, it's harder for me to, to, to draw on. I, I was, my, I've been mentally riffing on, you know, what Godzilla, but I, I have to admit in the Kaiju universe, I'm not up on the many later mm. permutations of Godzilla. I saw the real, you know, what I consider the real Godzilla again, as a kid, my dad probably took me, you know, and again, was blown away. The sheer scale of Godzilla was what blew me away as yeah. a kid. Yes. His toenail going across railroad tracks, you know, which just, it couldn't get better. I think it's always tricky to kind of convey your love of something to another person when the genre is so vast, though. It's kind of like explaining. It is vast, yes. You know, explain to my family or friends, you know, oh, I like Godzilla. And they go, all right. And then they're a bit kind of puzzled. And then they say, oh, I think I've seen one of those films. Yeah, yeah one of them. There's so many. And it's like, well, you know, what, what's the general tone of it? Well, it depends. It, it's so massive. Yes. And, and that's kind of the challenge of it. It's like, oh, are they all like this? No. No, actually, they vary so much. Yeah, they began to lose me when they started drifting towards slapstick comedy. <laughs> and bug rough. eyes and that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's, that's those are the ones that Alex loves, by the way. Uh, oh, I wasn't going to say. That. Uh, yeah. oh, thank you, Joe. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, do studios or studios uh, are you still being approached for Tremors ideas, or is it is it kind of done and dusted no, now? No, we've 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 committed the cardinal rule of getting old in Hollywood. Uh, we uh, uh, <laughs> the phone does not ring. <laughs> uh, the only thing, it, the only, only way that we generate any interest is is the way we have been. We 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 create material and uh and and then try to get it out to to people you know but that's we were told this at the beginning of our careers and it's true there is a point at which you know all the executives are younger they remember vaguely short circuit when they were kids and, oh is that guy still alive and um uh so no they don't approach us they don't approach us to rewrite anything there's lots of things i would love to have rewritten i could have fixed it but um is it because yeah, since um, but it's entirely two, up to us to generate our own interest right now? I say since, was that? since Tremors 2, I really want to see um Gradient Earl's Monster World, and I was just hoping that one day we might see a spin off of some sort, but I guess not. <laughs> I, we, you know, especially when we thought when we thought our series might go another year, you know, we were we were throwing around all kinds of ideas like that. Yes, it would have oh, been. Really? Oh, really? I'd love to hear. Oh, did, did, I mean, what what would you have had in a second season of Tremors? Was there a what, you know what what story beats would you have hit? Well, there there were there was the endless stream of monsters and and, and that was a little bit of a problem. Of course, it was a little bit hard. We all, and we knew going in it was going to be a problem, and it was. That's why we came up with the concept of mix master, the DNA scrambling material, yeah. uh, to to sort of help us with that inherently comedic idea that you know this one little town keeps running into a new monster every week <laughs> um but on the, on the other front uh we have we were doing what you must do with the tv series which is you must you know expand and enrich the lives of all of your characters 
uh, and uh, the one story that I really wanted to pursue was that Rosalita is not really related to Miguel and is running some kind of scam. But, you know, we, we didn't get beyond that idea. We would have fleshed it out. Uh, uh, you know, and then the town has to decide, well, do we still accept her? I mean, she's a, she's a solid citizen, but 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 she kind of scammed her way into owning Miguel's ranch was one idea that we wanted to spring on the audience. Oh, wow. So I, I feel like there was a missed opportunity here. Brady and Earl's Worm World. So you you are the guy that was writing this and coming up with the ideas. Can, can, you, can you spoil it here for us a little bit? Just tell us what this theme park would have had. <laughs> Was there a shrieker petting zoo? I mean, like, like what, what, what was around here? You know? Yeah, you know, you're already, you're already getting ahead of us, as as the fans tend to do. We 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 liked the idea. We threw out the idea, and then I think I think we referenced it in in Tremors Three then, and uh, but we didn't spend a lot of time imagining what it was, other than lines of dialogues that that relate to it. I've always sort of felt like it was cheesy, though. You know that neither Grady nor Earl were the were the kind of businessmen to be able to make it really fly. Yeah. That's our feeling, you know. So it's the graboids are kind of sad and droopy, and <laughs> the <laughs> tremors regularly has veins of cheese in it, doesn't it? Like the the, the <laughs> elements, and I think that, like that's one of the huge appeal factors of it. It's that. It's a show that walks that very clever line of being quite silly at times, but not so silly that it kind of jumps the shot, that it becomes ridiculous. It still manages to take itself seriously enough that you go, okay, this is a coherent story and it makes sense. It's a bit ridiculous at times, but it kind of works. And I think that, that that's why it's got such appeal. And you were saying earlier about kind of the fans getting away with themselves. I have to say kind of as a consumer myself, the Tremors community is one of the nicest fan bases I've met online because generally speaking, fan bases are horrible. They're, they're kind of, they're a fire pit of society. <laughs> and you think, you think, why do these people exist? And I've, I've been a member of like various online Facebook Tremors groups for years. And they're really nice. Like this kind of- they're, they're, they're That really, is really, really nice, nice to hear. I'm not I'm not aware of that in the way that you would be, and I'm very pleased to hear that. Yeah. Certainly, that's true of the questions I get from fans. That I'm mm. I'm actually way behind right now. I've got to get back to it. You know, they still come, even though the, the Stampede offices closed years ago. The Stampede site is up. <laughs> People still send me questions, and they're new questions. Yeah. Going to what you're saying, they don't ask me the same thing over and over. I swear oh, they've read great. every answer to every question because whenever I open up my my yeah. email to my fact page, I go, oh my God, it's a different question. Ah, that's great. And it shows some creativity as well from you know, the community. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, believe me, I don't, I don't post all the pitches for new versions of Tremors, except to keep reminding them I don't own it. I don't have anything to do with it. I can't, <laughs> I can't help you. And here's the segue now, because in terms of a question that you might not have got before, Joe, you have a youngling who possibly has questions. Yeah. And yes, the young kids always have the best questions. Yeah. This to do. So we'll take a break and I will fetch him. Hi, this is SS Wilson and we're on Kaiju Curry House. Thank you very the much. The name itself is, is amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, and we have two special guests tonight because we not only have the renowned screenwriter, Mr. Steve Wilson, we also have a youngling amongst us. Would you like to introduce yourself, young man? What's your name? 
Um, um, my name is Charlie. Hello there, Charlie. And how old are you, young man? Um, ten. You're ten. Now, I understand that you have a question for our guest. Would you like to ask him now? Um, no. You wouldn't? Are you sure? When you, now, now, Charlie, when you're watching Tremors, what do you wonder about? Do you wonder anything about how we made the movie or where the monsters came from? Anything like that? Um, Charlie, what is your favorite Tremors movie? It's tricky being put on the spot, isn't it? Oh, he's on the spot. Got two. You like two? Two. Good choice. And what do you like about Tremors 2? Well, well, when those um, shriekers came in, surprised me a bit. Surprised you? You weren't expecting them to be small, were you, Charlie? No. You were quite confused by that. You thought they'd get bigger. So are the shriekers your favourite monsters in the Tremors films? Um, I kind of like the... um, Gumballs, is that what they're called? The gun bottom, the, the gun bottoms? No, the um, Gumballs. The Graboids? Yeah, the Graboids. Yeah, grab the Graboids. Okay. The Graboids are cool, aren't they? Mm. Well, do you have any more questions for our guest, Charlie? Um, no. Well, I'm going to give you a virtual high five, Charlie. It is so cool to meet you. High five. Mm-hmm. There we go. Nice to meet you. Yes, Charlie, this is S.S. Wilson. Nice to meet you. I'm glad you're enjoying Tremors. It's amazing to me to have a young person watching my movies when they've been around for so long. Now we need to get like a round table. Paul, you need yeah. to bring your kids in next time. Oh, I'll yeah. bring mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Giant family episode. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Oh. Well, thank you so much. It's been really nice to meet you, Charlie. Um, do you think that Mr. Joe is able to sit back with us again? Do you want to give the chair back? Maybe not. Um, nah. <laughs> just doesn't sit in for Joe now. I love this. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, how, how do you want to do this? Yeah, so I think, yeah, Charlie, you've done a great job. I think you need to hand back to Daddy now, though. No. Mm. No, not feeling it. What other questions do we have left? I wanted to ask Steve if you had any involvement in the reboot with Kevin Bacon that was looking to happen, but then never did. I don't know if you were involved in that in any way. Uh, do you mean the, the, the series, series. Kevin, for which Kevin did a pilot? Yes. No, we were, we were not weren't... involved in that. We were aware oh. of it and we asked them if they wanted us to be involved and they said no. <laughs> oh, Okay. I'm very sorry to hear, very disappointing. Um, to hear that. Yeah, that is disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was a little disappointing, yes. Oh. Um, well, I have a much more positive question. Um, this comes from my other half. Um, Christina's asking, with regards to Land Before Time, why do you think it was so successful and why do you think it continues to be successful? Because it is a film that seems to have appeal to generation after generation. I, well, I think it's because it speaks to very universal themes in a very positive way. Uh, it was part of what uh, Brent and I, uh, you know, in our hubris feel that we brought to it, which was that basic idea, a long neck never plays with a three horn. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that really resonates with people. 
and I and and I will also give credit to Steven Spielberg, who was overseeing all this. He and George Lucas, uh, we had a, a, a bitter fight with Steven over the death of Littlefoot's mother. Mm. Brent and I were appalled. We said, "This is terrible. You can't do this." And and Steven said, "You know what?" People, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Stephen doesn't talk like this. I always make him talk like a drill sergeant. But he's, he says, you know, people are, audiences are, 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 are too wimpy today. You know, back when Bambi's mother got killed, people were in the middle of World War II and they just moved on. <laughs> uh, you know, and in retrospect, I mean, especially when you look at the vast number of sequels that were spawned and so forth. Um, I think you have to give credit to him for going for the, the most emotional thing you could go for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite frankly a gut-wrenching scene. It is, yes. I, I had not watched it really since being quite young and then kind of I watched it for the first time again and my daughter was six and kind of I watched it with her and then like I had that kind of parental perspective and like I was choked up when Littlefoot died, and then kind of later on, you know, a couple of scenes later, he's sort of he's hearing her voice and he's looking in the leaves, and, and like it, yeah, you know what? Like I know Spielberg can get a bit of a reputation for being sort of schmaltzy and you know, sort of overly emotional, but I felt like he played it very, very well. It it works beautifully, and it's a very simple story, isn't it? Like there's a landslide and you know the, the plate tectonics and the children are separated from their parents they go looking for them they have to work together they find their parents the end and yet it's a really involved invested story and i think that it, it yeah it's certainly one that i'm playing it for um my kids like it's rare for children to sit quietly for a film for the duration and they did they were all like that they were all encroached. No, it's very effective. You know, it, it, uh, yes, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. And, and yes, and it also plays, uh, uh, Spielberg had done a lot of, uh, had literally had hired psychiatrists to advise them on some of this stuff, kids losing parents and things like that. And it was all part of the thinking that went into the, into the script. And those, those things, you, you talk about the children being riveted by it, and, and, and it's true. And it, it's partly because I think it's playing exactly to what a little kid does worry about. You know, yes. what if something happens to mom or dad? Uh, uh, and the, it's very powerful for, mm. for a child to watch the little dinosaurs cut off from their families. Yeah. And it's got all of kind of the simple narratives of growth that work in children's stories like you know Petrie can't fly and then yeah. over time he can fly and like you think okay well that, that's very straightforward but it's great you know you you do love that and like you mentioned about sort of the script writing of Ducky you know nope 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 yep 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 um and don't step on the crack or you fall and break your back and like <laughs> I, I watch my own kids do that like yep. they, they will argue on the way to school of no no you can't step on the crack and it's like that, that that is that that is generational that like then you know it's it's amazing I mean, that, for me that that's why it speaks to children so well but yeah i was curious to kind of know your perspective so thank you for answering that we're gonna get joe back on now we are indeed <laughs> um steve have you seen that some of the fan things that have come out of the tremors franchise what you've inspired you, you you mean like the fan fiction and so well, forth? anything i mean um 
Oh, we've seen a graboid thong. Okay, we, there's some, there's lots of stuff. Oh, to be proud of. yes. <laughs> well, the thing, the the thing that is most fun and or amazing is the number of people, given that Universal sort of never really promoted any sort of action figures or or, or models. Uh, the number of people who have made graboids in just every conceivable form. <laughs> I've seen full-scale graboids made of sand on the beach. Uh, there was a line of cupcakes with little graboids sticking out of them that somebody did somewhere. I just, now I that's an idea. It is, graboid is. cupcakes. You know, it is uh, my birthday soon. <laughs> I could ask for a graboid cake. Uh, I saw a graboid uh, wedding cake. Um, oh, wow. Someone more hardcore than you, Paul. The poor bride. <laughs> the poor bride. It, it could have been a bride's idea for no, you. No, no, it, it wasn't, Paul. Don't delude yourself. It was. <laughs> That's amazing, though. That is amazing. No, it's not. That he managed to pull it off. What a bloke. Yeah. <laughs> what a man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the one scenario where there was like a wedding cake and then there was the wife's cake instead of the groom's cake. I'm going to see if I can find that on the internet. I'll have to Google it. <laughs> that's page two of Google. I'm going to tell Don this. Uh, I'm engaged currently. I can, I can try and pull this off. Good. Let's do this. She's cool. Well, with that in mind, if nothing else, um, Steve... We normally uh, round off our episodes with recommendations for things that we encourage people to read, do, bake, in some cases of a cake. Um, and we'll, I think we'll, we'll start off with ourselves and kind of return to your, your good self. Uh, Paul, if nothing else, what are you thinking of recommending? I think I should give the series another plug because not enough people have watched the series. Yeah. And I don't know if either of you two have seen it. I have seen it. It was on the Sci-Fi Channel for ages. I, but just I, can't, I don't know where to find it now. Where is it available now to see? It was finally released on DVD. I don't know how available the DVD was. I didn't think that was going to happen because somehow the Universal just never does these things. Uh, and I believe the DVD that somebody sent me, the episodes are in the correct order because one of the horror stories of, of that series is that the Sci-Fi Network chose to show this episodes out of order. <laughs> oh, uh, well, among our many other trials that we had. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it got a UK release, the series, on DVD. Um, but, ah, it, but you can, be, you can import. Yeah, you can import. I bought mine from eBay and it was a it was American DVD, but I've got a, a region one player. You can buy the series digitally on Amazon. So I have, oh, I have so yes, Amazon sell the series digitally. So I've got it digitally to watch, and then also the physical edition as well. Because you know, Charlie's birthday's coming up. Thank you for that, Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, for myself, I would like to recommend a book by Jonathan Melville, who we had on as a ah. guest a while back. The book ah. is called um, "Seeking Perfection: The Unofficial Guide to Tremors." And uh, Jonathan's a great guy. We, ha we had him on, really friendly, you know, very, like, very knowledgeable about Tremors, but most importantly, a huge fan. Like, his passion for, um, particularly the first four films, he said, really shone through. Um, so do check out our Tremors um, episode that we had, where we had uh, Jonathan Melville on, and do please check out his book. It's available at paperback for just £11, so it's very affordable. 
I can nice. second that uh, recommendation. Jonathan is a wonderful guy. I actually met him in Edinburgh a couple of years ago. Oh, wonderful. We had a great time after we did many online interviews prior to his publishing his book. But his book is the single most exhaustive Tremors reference you could possibly hope for. <laughs> because Jonathan did something that you spoke about. You know, he talked to many people behind the scenes. He did not just talk to the creators and, yeah. or the actors. He did talk to the actors. He got to almost everybody, I think, except Fred Ward, who's, who is very much a hermit. But, um, uh, well, I, hopefully I've said enough, but yes, do check out Jonathan's book. If you like Tremors, you have to read Jonathan Melville's Seeking Perfection. There we go. There we go. So I, I have two books, which are kind of in keeping with uh, creature design right now. So the first recommendation I'm going to make, because I love large, dangerous, scaly things, is the Paleo Artist's Handbook. Oh, it is by wow. Mark P. Witten, and it is an exhaustive commentary on depicting prehistoric life accurately. And it also explains the journey that paleo art has come along. So... Mm. Um, who got it right, who got it wrong, mm. pitfalls to avoid. It's it's really nice as an artist handbook. It's also wonderfully illustrated too. I love that. Um, the second thing, and possibly more topical for tonight's conversation, is the fundamentals of creature design. Oh, nice. So this is a tome, and it is fantastic. It has one, two, three, four contributing authors and it has a forward by Bang Maro. And I'm going to try and pronounce these authors' names correctly so that everybody can find it on Amazon. But it is Alex Rees, Bryn Mahenny, Andrew Baker, and Kate, I apologize in advance. Pepil Schnifter. Nailed it. It was good. I'm sorry, but it is gorgeously illustrated. It goes into real-world biology. Um, some of the lovely things that are covered in another book I mentioned in our last podcast episode called All the Yesterday Yesterdays about speculative uh, paleo art um, are covered here, that animals are much weirder and more fabulous than mere fossils would lead us to speculate. Mm. So whatever creature that you do design make it weird. That seems to be like the uh, <laughs> core fundamental of the book, which is absolutely fantastic. And I would say that uh, anybody who dreamt up Graboids would heartily uh, endorse that uh, way of thinking. But there's some lovely aliens, some lovely creatures, just varying types in this book, all sorts of ideas and recommendations on what to do. And between those two, you can create some fabulous life forms. So graboids, aliens, crazy dinosaurs, mutant monsters, like those are two fabulous books that can get you well on your way. And well, if you I, like art, there you go. I've just put that on my wish list because that looks really, really cool. Thank you. Yeah. It's hefty too. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is did look, hefty. It did look big. They are both hefty to be <laughs> fair. I've had them both in my backpack the last few weeks and it's just... <laughs> It's a workout. It's good. This is one of the this is one of the reasons why you do not get books on Kindle, Paul. The workout. <laughs> the workout. Um, yeah, games. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, those are my recommendations for tonight, and uh, I think they're fabulous. But of course, check out any and all things Tremors because you will not be disappointed. It's fabulous. 
Steve. Steve, yeah, you said you've got a lot of short stories and things. What what could you recommend to us? Oh, well, if I'm recommending my own stuff, which I will. Um, oh, yes. Um, I, I have two novels out, Tucker's Monster and Frady Cats. Frady Cats being the one about two cats to actually cause all the disasters in Frankenstein's laboratory without Frankenstein realizing what's gone wrong. And uh, and then I'm I'm about to publish this year. I've said this before, and it's definitely going to happen this year. Freddy Cats Two, in which the Freddy Cats go on into the monster world and meet the mummy. And uh, and the cover for that book is being done by my partner Brent Maddock. Uh, it struck I was I was struggling to come up with a cover, and uh, and a, and a design for it, and it suddenly hit me that my my partner is a an accomplished cartoonist. In fact, he's pursuing that as as we pursue other things in our careers right now. Uh, and I thought, well, this is ridiculous. He should do it, and, and he did. Uh, so that'll be coming out soon. Uh, and then, of course, I can also, if, if we're talking Tremors, I have my series on YouTube called Tremors: The Lost Tapes, uh, where I am slowly going through some 20 hours of video that my father shot during the production of the original Tremors. No way. He walked, he walked around the set with a video camera. I asked him to do this because uh, I was so excited to be in control of my first real Hollywood movie, uh, control in the sense that I was co-producer with my partner. And, and dad is not, you know, a cinematographer. He walked around, you know, doing this mm -hmm. with the camera and, all those years ago, I looked at all the video and went, oh, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's dad's kind of home movies. So 30 years later, I got them all out again and began looking at them. And I thought, my God, there's nothing like this, especially mm -hmm. for a movie that old. So there are now 22 episodes of Tremors, The Lost Tapes up on YouTube now. Uh, um, behind the scenes, I like to say, like, you've never seen it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and let's see. And then there's my short stories. They're all on Amazon. They're all sci-fi and fantasy and the stuff that I love. Mm. Uh, and then there's the hope for a movie with the whole team coming back together. But don't hold your breath. <laughs> I'm getting more cynical as I get older. But thank you for the chance to pitch all my stuff. That's it's been fascinating. Thank you it's for coming great. on. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic content is always appreciated. <laughs> there we go well folks thank you so much for joining us this has been another episode of kaiju curry house and as always keep it kaiju Did Joe, did Joe just leave? Joe Where, where's, your, where's your dad gone? <laughs> this could be one of the best one of the best outtakes ever. <laughs> Say something, Paul. <laughs> I'm lost for words. <laughs> Has any of the 94 episodes of podcasting prepared for, for this moment, Paul? No, no, it's um, completely new territory for me. Mm. Editorial challenge, Tim. Yeah. That's, no, that's good. Yeah. It's, it's... I'm going to get a drink of water. <laughs> Try editing this, Paul.
Good luck. <laughs>